happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody. This week, Woke AF Daily is looking at and reflecting on the year of hate. This year, the shadow of Trumpism and all that it represents had loomed large over America. And in my upcoming conversation with Representative Stacey Plaskett, we spoke with the Congresswoman roughly two weeks following the insurrection. I want you all to think back to January 6th, which is coming up, frankly, on its anniversary. And when Woke AF returns live, it will be the anniversary week of the 1-6 insurrection, which of course, Donald Trump right now is saying was a uh, red flag operation or a fake flag, whatever the fuck he's making up these days. But nonetheless, in the conversation that we would have with Stacey Plaskett um, following the insurrection, it's just amazing to me because honestly, I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that we watched as thousands of enraged, rabid, foaming at the mouth white people descended on our Capitol building with Trump flags and Confederate flags, wearing Trump hats and screaming and spewing and beating police officers whom, you know, they love love to uplift, right? When they're on quote unquote, their side, meaning kneeling on the necks of black people or beating us or murdering us, then they are for the police. But when the police are in fact trying to stop a riotous insurrectionist, treasonous ass mob from taking over our Capitol building, they had no problem with using violence. Remember five people Five people ended up dead that day. It's been 11 months since the insurrection. It's been 11 months. And ask me how many people have been arrested by the thousands that you saw descend on the Capitol building. 
Well, according to insider.com, 727 people have been charged. Only 727, 11 months later. After 187 minutes of uninterrupted violence, of pleas coming from inside of the Capitol building that we now have learned through the release of former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' text messages, that Republicans from inside the chamber, Republicans on Fox News, his own fucking son, was trying to get a hold of the president of the United States on that faithful day as he was sitting, no doubt, eating popcorn and popping bonbons and just loving the fact that his adoring fans, who he had told us straight up that he could kill somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and watch his poll numbers increase. He told us who these people were. And before he told us, Hillary Clinton told us that this basket of deplorable people would do anything and everything and believe anything and everything because somehow this magician, Donald Trump, had hypnotized them with the thing that we know is the most alluring for white America, which is the return to white supremacy and dominant rule. He waved that in their faces like stakes in front of a starved crowd and told them that he was going to return them to their glory days. You know, the glory days of when white people would walk down the street and black people had to bow their heads and remove themselves from in front of them where they could walk into stores and we had to address them as black people, as miss and mister, while they referred to us as boy and girl, if not just the N-word. That they could return to a time when segregation was the law of the land and they didn't have to feel bad or icky about their thoughts, right? Or the fact that they would cheer on lynchings and beatings in the same way that the George Floyd challenge, right? Took social media by storm following Derek Chauvin's disgusting act of murdering an unarmed black man in cold blood in broad fucking daylight. These are Donald Trump's people. And over the course of four years, he had fed them a bunch of fucking lies. He appealed to their worst sense of self and allowed them, right, to free themselves from the confines and the shackles of their hoods where they could just march with their tiki torches and their khaki pants down city streets declaring that they were going to take their country back declaring that they were not going to be overtaken by the Jews or their, you know, lasers that Marjorie Taylor Greene said they had in space. That they could fully embrace their anti-Semitism, their anti-Islam, their anti-everything. That homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, misogyny could all be welcomed back in because how dare the political correctness 
of the 21st century hold them hostage. They wanted their liberty and they were willing to use fire extinguishers and battering rams and to concoct and build a full fucking guillotine on the steps of the Capitol building so that they could return to the days that Donald Trump told them they could have back. Thousands of people descended on Washington, D.C. that fateful day. Donald Trump would tweet at them, tweet at the world, and say that 1-6 was going to be wild. They were organizing in broad daylight, on Facebook, on TikTok, on every social media apparatus, saying what they were going to be doing. Did the FBI, the CIA... The Pentagon, did they intervene? No. And why is that? What is the excuse? We've yet to hear it 11 months later. Oh, we didn't think it would be that bad. Oh, we thought that Donald Trump was going to use the Treason Act. Oh, we thought that we would get in trouble. No, no, none of those things really are true. They just knew that their whiteness would protect them. You see, policing was never set up in a way that it was meant to police white people. It was meant to protect white people from everybody else, them and their property. It's why right now Kyle Rittenhouse is the most famous Republican, a murderer, that they are celebrating and fighting over to make their new intern. Donald Trump, after 187 minutes, of violence and bloodshed would finally offer to the American people a statement in which he said, we love you to the insurrectionists. Donald Trump never came out with force to say, we need the national guard. We need police. These people are doing things in my name that I don't agree with. You never heard that out of the mouth of Donald Trump or Rudy Giuliani or any of the members of Fox News. No, only behind closed doors and in tweets that they thought would never be discovered did they offer their truth, their fear. This is going to make us look bad, Laura Ingram said. This isn't good for us. Because once again, they were more concerned with their power and the perception thereof than anything else, than the actual harm that they were doing. It wouldn't be until June of 2021 that after a battle in Congress, that barely, barely passing the House of Representatives, did we get a 1-6 commission six months after the insurrection. Kevin McCarthy would pull back all of his Republicans and only two, only two would decide that they were actually going to put country ahead of party. That would be Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. You see, for the entire year, people have wanted to hail Liz Cheney as some type of savior. Oh, at least she has sense, they would say. This is the same woman who, mind you, voted over 90% of the time with Donald Trump. 
The only thing that Liz Cheney wouldn't go along with, she was totally fine with incarcerating and locking in cages undocumented children. She was totally fine with the rise in police brutality. She was totally fine with the criminalization of immigration and people of color. She was also fine up until recently with the harassment and the persecution of LGBT people, one of which her sister is. Her dad, Dark Vader, would move quicker on the issue of LGBTQ equality than Liz Cheney did. But it doesn't take much in these American streets these days to be hailed as a hero. All you have to do is state the fucking obvious. Donald Trump did not win the election in 2020. As a matter of fact, every single document that has been uncovered by the 1-6 Commission has shown the lengths at which all of the people around Donald Trump went to to ensure a second term or maybe a never-ending term. Like his pal Putin. It's been 11 months, friends, and sadly, the FBI tells us that they are still, quote, working on identifying all of those people who descended on our Capitol building, defecated in its hallways, stole property, threatened to hang the vice president of the United States, and yet were able to go back home. Yet recent reports from the New York Times tells us about the FBI infiltrating the protests in Oregon and other places back in 2020 because you know those pesky black and brown people yelling about, you know, not being murdered in the streets and treated like second-class citizens and dogs They're so pesky and they cause so much trouble. Not at all the alerts and the reports that told you for a decade that white supremacy was rising in this country and that the threat that we needed to be paying attention to wasn't ISIS, but the Boogaloo Boys, the Oath Keepers, and others. Where was the infiltration into the insurrectionists that were organizing out in broad daylight? But you wouldn't infiltrate your own. Because sadly, there were too many active military that participated in the insurrection. There were too many active or former police officers that took out their Trump flags and stormed the Capitol on that day. In this upcoming conversation with Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett, who also was an active voice in participating in the impeachment, the second impeachment of the disgraced president, former President Donald Trump. In this episode, we will talk to her and you will be reminded of where we were, how we were feeling as a nation on 1621, how shaken to the core were we? And had no idea what the year ahead would look like 
but we were certain that it couldn't be fucking good if this is how we were starting. Coming up next, my conversation with the brilliant Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett. It is so wonderful to have you back on uh, Woke AF again, uh, Congresswoman Plaskett. I am excited to talk to you because so much has happened since the since the last time uh, you joined us. So first of all, um, how have you been? How have you been since since our since our our last time? I know that you were telling me about the COVID rates in the Virgin Islands and what has been happening and whether or not uh, folks have been able to get tested. And now we have a new vaccine. So I'd love to know how things are, how things have been progressing uh, in the Virgin Islands right now. Well, thanks for asking about that. Um, We have a really dedicated team. And um, unlike, I think, other places around the country, Virgin Islanders are not only resilient, but they understand disaster. And so when there are directives that come from leadership, uh, the governor stating that the way that we saved ourselves is to stay um, socially distanced and to wear masks, people understand that. Um, And particularly for us, we have a culture that is very, very careful uh, of our elders. And so the notion that we might be getting them sick uh, by not doing that mm-hmm. is something that is really very, um, it, it's very heart-wrenching to us. And so we have been better, I think, than other places about doing that. Our issue is always with um, our young people who don't want to follow the guidelines in the same way, along with visitors coming in. Um, we're trying to implement test taking for those who want to come as a tourist destination, because I know that the governor is really pulled as well because he wants to keep our economy going. And so much of our GDP um, Mm -hmm. support and our revenues come from tourism. Um, And so being sensitive to that, creating a safe place for people to come down while at the same time doing that Um, cognizant of a pandemic has been a real challenge. I will say that one of the things that we are grateful for is that in Congress's uh, legislation, the Virgin Islands has been included. Um, So we're really trying to get our students back to school Mm -hmm. in a safe manner. Um, We're trying to do distribution of the vaccine and of testing. We have, you know, People are in the States have distribution and um, shipping issues. Well, shipping issues become even larger when you are off of the mainland. And so they've been dealing with that as well. Um, you know, my concern is that when the Biden-Harris cam- um, administration comes on board, that there has to be an address of lost revenues to locations, to states, governments and to municipalities, because they're gonna need the support to keep teachers and um, you know local officials, police on the street. And I know that's something that we are holding our breaths uh, as the quarters move track along that we will have a dip in those revenues. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly hard to, to watch 
um, as states and different municipalities struggle, right? Because the idea is that we want to keep capacity down. We don't want to have as many travelers. We don't want to have as many people eating in restaurants. And here in New York City, where I am, you know, indoor dining is closed again um, as mo- as the numbers continue to spike. And so it's this fine line of being able to both keep people safe, but then also safety understanding is at ec- economics as well, right? So we cannot be truly safe when we have um, communities that are economically vulnerable. And so being able to understand both the push and the pull of where we find ourselves in the midst of this pandemic, you know, we, we, we are at a place right now where as you and I are speaking, we are at 400,000 deaths of the coronavirus, just something that is, uh, would have been unthinkable, Right. Uh, Because when you look at the countries that come behind us, we're almost double the amount of deaths that they have had. And you say to yourself, how, how, you know, how could that be? Um, Can you remember when it was 20,000 and we were gassed at 20,000? Uh, that's what I'm saying. And, and this, this was, you know, we, we were, we were talking, but a few months ago and we hadn't reached, you know, I- into the hundreds of thousands. And so the, the rapidness, the, the, the rapid descent that we have seen in this country, um, I, I think it shows our moral deficit, um, to taking care uh, of one another. I want to talk about January 6th and, were you, I mean, you I'm a, you want to talk about that as well? <laughs> because you know what? I can't, I, I can't unsee it. My anxiety has been through the roof since, um, I am been feeling incredibly uneasy and I can't, and as, as we continue to see videos come out, as we continue to see reports of your fellow, uh, your fellow members of Congress, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley talking about the fact that her panic button was ripped out of her office, that we are talking about how vulnerable the black and people of color members were. I want to know how you are feeling, how you felt that day and how you are feeling now as this continues to, as the investigations just get underway and things begin to unfold. Yeah, I, um, for the most part, have been doing really well. Um, And I've been doing a lot of check-ins of some of my colleagues. Um, I was not on the floor at the time. I just always feel like there's some hand, the ancestors are always watching out for me. Uh, I happened to be in my office, was watching um, C-SPAN and getting my jacket and um, getting myself together to go on the floor and just happened to be turned around a couple of times (laughs) and didn't leave the office when uh, I recognized on C-SPAN that something had gone awry. But particularly, I have been reaching out to my colleagues, my friends who were in the gallery portion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because um, the members who were on the floor, um, I know how real that trauma was, but they were whisked away much faster than the ones who were in the gallery and kind of left there for a while before the Capitol Police could get to them um, because the way of exit is not the same. And um, I I recognize that they're not doing as well Mm. as some of the others. Um, And, you know, Danielle, we were talking earlier about my other role as a mother. Yeah. That's, you know, something that I've been doing is 
Um, you know, because afterwards I checked my staff. I even called particularly the younger staff who weren't here, but I know that them seeing something like that is going to affect how they operate. And that those these young people who come to Washington are so full of hope. I know. They have so much passion. And to see um, an assault like that uh, on our democracy and on people was something that I tried to help them work through. Um, you know, I had a moment yesterday that was um, a hard time for me. But I have to tell you, I've really thrown myself into work. And... Um, the work that I'm doing, I think is so incredibly important as an impeachment manager. And Jamie Raskin's words, I saw him um, on cable news yesterday when he said he lost his son in 2020 and he'll be damned if he loses his country in 2021. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I have had the, the good fortune of also uh, speaking with uh, Congressman, uh, speaking with uh, Representative Raskin, and to think about how committed, you know, you have to be to this country, to the Constitution, to this democracy, um, to be able to push through the unspeakable trauma of losing a child to now working so desperately not to lose a country. Can you talk to us about what it is like to be an impeachment manager, what you, what has come up for you, um, as, as, as a representative, but also as, as, you know, just a, a believer in democracy, a, a believer in institution, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, my legal career began in the Bronx district attorney's office, which is kind of a trial by fireplace you're given a week of training and then you're sent assigned to a courtroom and giving a stack of cases. And, uh, you know, people pride themselves there on being very fast paced, night court, weekend court, complaint room, the whole bit. And so I kind of took this the same way of just throwing myself into it. Um, but one of maybe the things that as well comes as a Bronx district attorney is being very, um, I have to say, unemotional mm. about criminal trial and just getting to the facts and to justice. And I really tried to be this way in working through um, how we are gonna present this case is not getting caught up in the emotion of what we all experience, but how do we prove the elements of the crime? Mm -hmm place on January and leading up to January 6th, right? Because January 6th was the fulfillment of a conspiracy mm -hmm. to overthrow this government. Um, uh, insurrection doesn't occur at the beginning of an individual's time in office. It occurs at the end. And this is classic to what our founding fathers anticipated when they were drafting the Constitution and discussed impeachment um, while an impeachment was going on in England while they were having the conversation about putting impeachment. Because impeachment is two parts. One, it is removing that individual from the clear and present danger that they, prevent, they um, present, but it is also preventing that individual or individuals 
from ever being able again to do that. Mm-hmm. Disqualification of the person from being able to run for office, from receiving the trappings of what we give those individuals who um, were our former presidents. That doesn't just include the taxpayer, um, social security, retirement pay, staff and the others. It includes, um, you know, briefings. Right. say. Right. Do we want this individual to continue to have access to the levers of power, um, knowing what he will do to retain power for himself? Um, those are the reasons that we are having this trial. You know, it, tell me what is different between the one article that we are looking at right now, which is incitement and insurrection, correct? Versus what we were looking at, which was in, 20, in 2019, which was obstruction of justice, right? Uh-huh. What are the, what are the, what are the- impeachment 1.0 and now impeachment <laughs> 2.0, right? 2.0 is always bigger, better. Um, <laughs> The difference is, is that we've all seen the crime. Mm-hmm. The difference is that not only were we all witnesses, but that the jurors were actually victims of the crime. That is going to be the difference in how this is presented. And the issue is now for these senators, if they are able as victims and continuing ongoing victims as they are Um, threatened, right, Mm -hmm. by this president and by those conspirators who are with them, with him, are they able to transcend that um, or to be protected from that to be able to render a verdict? Let me ask you this question, too. So Donald Trump has, what, roughly 48 hours left as president of the United States. Um, he is signaling that he is about to pardon roughly 100 people, including himself, his family, his friends. Mm -hmm. If he is convicted in the Senate, which we still know is an uphill battle, are these pardons potentially reversible? Can they be stopped? Oh, that's that's a great uh, scholarly constitutional issue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which, you know, the conviction will, of course, uh, you know, just thinking logically happen after the pardons have taken place. Um, Probably not, right? But the impeachment and the conviction, as well as the disqualification, um, does not, um, are separate and apart from any pardons. Um, And additionally, of course, there's always state um, crimes for which he, is mm-hmm. going to probably have to deal with once leaving office, whether he is impeached and convicted or not. Yeah. I, I you know, Congresswoman, it, but, um, please. Can I say that his crimes in the past, um, you know, and he can only pardon himself for that which he has already done not that for which he could potentially do or any other individual. Um, But this trial, this impeachment, for one, for those in the House, 
the impeachment was a constitutional duty. Mm -hmm. Fulfillment of what many members, including those bold 10 individuals on the Republican side, felt was the fulfillment of their constitutional duty. Mm -hmm. You know, pray for them as well, because they as well are being threatened right now um, for having taken that position. This is the only time in history when there has been such a bipartisan um, resounding um, impeachment of a president, right? Um, and now what we are doing is you hear this notion by many people of let's just move on. Let's just mm -hmm. the rush to healing. Let the healing begin. You know, uh, Jamin Raskin uses this term. A president does not get a senior skip day um, to act up and do what he wants to do because it's the last couple of weeks of his presidency. And this these individuals who are purporting, proposing this are saying that he's supposed to get skip weeks mm. as a president. And, you know, it is the height of uh, also as a black person, I feel it's the height of a privilege when I hear white men saying that we should put aside what he did, forget about it and let him move on. It reminds me of my time <laughs> in high school, in boarding school, you know, going to prep school as, an, as one of the few black people there. When senior year, people would kind of absolve the young white boys of misdeeds because, you know, they've got this bright future ahead of them at Yale or wherever they were gonna go. But don't you ever black person try and do something like that because you should be so grateful we had given you this opportunity before. Mm. It cannot be healing, and this country cannot continue to condone this bad behavior, this conspiracy, this absolute rending of our constitution and our democracy. We can continue to be uh, a shining light and the greatest country if we deal head on with the issues that we have. You know, throughout even last summer when people were talking about systemic racism, I was really kind of ticked off when I would hear Black people saying how ashamed they were of our country in comparison to others. I think the great thing about America is that we do confront our issues where other countries kind of sweep them under the rug. You can't be a Black person and live in France and ever be considered French. That's true. That's true. The greatest, the happiest country in the world is Denmark. And the reason it's the happiest country in the world is because they sold my grandparents and their land to the United States and paid off their debt and came out of depression, a depression, financial depression that they were in um, and used that money and those resources to make themselves happy. But they don't even discuss it. They never acknowledge that that happened. Um, there are 300 years of slavery. So at least in the United States, we deal with our, um, our wrongs. And we cannot at this point, just because of the amount of um, trauma and that this president has caused us, simply pretend that we can forget it, the rape and pillage and mm. destruction that he has exacted on this country and think that we're gonna continue to be whole people um, if we don't deal and make sure that the perpetrator has to pay. You know, when you say whole people, that really sits with me because I don't think 
still to this to this day to this point that white americans really understand how adversely racism affects them how adversely white supremacy affects them um how it has affected our our entire country every every facet of it i think to myself where would america be if not for the oppression and suppression of various marginalized groups. How much would our GDP be? How much would we be, you know, how, how, how big of a beacon and light could we be if we allowed all people to, to attain their American dream, whatever the version of that American dream was? The, the, one of the questions that I have for you, Congresswoman, is this. You know, you are a member also of the Oversight uh, Committee. There are conversations right now, reports that are being had that Republican members of your house um, are part of this conspiracy. And there are calls for them to be removed, right? Tours that were tours, or as as some have said, reconnaissance, right? That was done um, with members of Congress leading these uh, terrorists, these perpetrators around the Capitol the day before, how are they going to be dealt with? Because I don't see how you all, right, that are that hold up our democracy can work shoulder to shoulder with those people that purposefully put you in harm's way. And frankly, it is only through the grace of God and luck that we did not see a procession of funerals following January 6th. Um, I have great confidence that the Speaker, uh, Nancy Pelosi, as well as our leadership, uh, are going to address that, that this is not something that they um, have forgotten, um, not something that will not be addressed. Um, neither they or the members are going to allow that. And so I think as time goes on, you'll see um, a greater discussion about that. Um, right now, I'm just singularly focused mm -hmm. on you know, the preparation with my colleagues uh, for the trial at hand. But I know that those conversations are um, very, very real um, and, and that that's going to happen. But, you know, Danielle, as, as I keep at, when people ask me, do I feel safe around my colleagues? I mean, what black person in America ever truly feels safe? Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, <laughs> as, as I my sons have told me, you know, I need to keep my head on a swivel. Um, until something is done. I'm grateful that the speaker has really instituted some of the measures that he ha she has and will enforce fines um, and other actions against members who do not follow them. But let's remember that these members not only, um, you know, there are the allegations of the reconnaissance of criminal conspirators, but there was also discussion of members carrying um, weapons as well, members tweeting out locations um, to groups during the insurrection, um, but members also refusing to wear masks and putting other members in harm's way um, physically because they cannot accept the truth. They cannot accept the truth that President Donald Trump lost the election you know, they don't want to accept the truth that in places like Philadelphia and Detroit and Atlanta, mm -hmm. Black people came out and vote because they don't want those to be counted as votes because we are not people. So therefore, our votes don't count. Um, mm. And they don't want to accept the truth about COVID uh, and this pandemic 
and what it means to America as well. And therefore they won't wear a mask uh, on top of that. It's, it's just a travesty, really. Um, Congresswoman, I, 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 I know, thank you so much for your time. My, my final question for you, uh, as you are in preparation for the impeachment trial, what are your hopes coming out of this, knowing the kind of Senate that we're facing, knowing that in a handful of days, we are finally, finally uh, switching administrations? Um, what, are, what are your hopes moving forward as, as we move forward? Um, you know, I am just so incredibly grateful that we have the kind of staff and team that we have um, that's preparing for this tra- trial from the judiciary and oversight staffers who are not sleeping mm. from the time that we, you know, the impeachment articles were drafted um, by members of the team who were in hiding and writing uh, impeachment articles um, to a team which is absolutely solidified and working together. And, um, you know, Jamie Raskin as the lead manager being so masterful and guiding us as our law school professor almost um, in this instance. But it's my hope that not only will the American people, but the Senate um, be awakened to the truth, um, that they have the courage to act upon that truth, uh, because this will be a time that is not forgotten. Uh, I think as more information comes out, they would be mindful of being on the right side of history in this. We know that this president uh, is one who does not learn his lesson. No. Uh, And so he has to be contained. Um, But I think that that will show the American people that the Republic is still standing uh, and that we can move on while that is happening to contain, to bring to justice those individuals who have tried to shake in our Republic, that the Republic continues with the first five and 10 days of this administration and the great things that they're going to do. Um, And while the Senate, which is the greatest deliberative body works not only on an impeachment but on confirmation and on a package to bring us to um, economic prosperity again. Knowing that with us having Democrats having the House, the Senate and the White House, that we are going to try and uplift those who have been forgotten, um, not just in four years, but um, for a very long time, that there is equality in education, um, in wealth creation and in healthcare Um, So many things that so many Americans need moving forward. Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett, I can't thank you enough for your time. I can't thank you enough for your commitment um, to our democracy. And I wish you well as you prepare for the impeachment trial. And I just we, we can't thank you enough. So please stay safe. Can you also please take care of yourself? Because I see how much this has affected you as well. And Thank you. You're yes. gonna, as your uh, big sis, <laughs> we need you well to uh, keep keep your strong voice and the kind of intuitive, uh, insightful and well-researched questions that you have for us all. Thank you. Be well. OK, you take care. That is it for me today, dear folks on Woke AF, as always. 
Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.